Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thanks so much for dropping in on Series 6. Now, this is a fun series about what it was like to be on the road as a national team athlete and Olympian. I've reached out to a bunch of retired athletes to see what it's like or what it was like to be on the road. Thank you so much for dropping in on Episode 56. Let me introduce the guests that we will be dropping in with. A birthday gift in 1998 at the age of nine years old from his parents may have changed our next guest's life. Having a natural talent for his sport, he was a forerunner at the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. He's raced at X Games and his first World Cup medal was in 2011 and things just went on from there. He raced at two Winter Olympics, his first being the Sochi Games in 2014, and that was followed by a first place in a World Cup in Spain, as well as taking home Canadian National Champion. He raced his second World Cup, uh, second Winter Olympics in 2018 in Pyeongchang. Now, all of this didn't happen without injuries. He's had his fair share, compression fractures of his T7 and T11 vertebra, broke his left ankle, a serious knee injury, grade four dislocation, full ACL and LCL ruptures. His last injury took 22 months of rigorous rehabilitation, ending his snowboard cross career. Well, he is now a performance analysis analyst. <laughs> At, for Canada Snowboard and the Snowboard Cross team, who just took home three medals at the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. I'd say that birthday present paid off. This son, friend, snowboarder, two-time Olympian, seven-time World Cup medalist, World, Cup, World Champion medalist, and Canadian National Champion is now a performance analyst. Let me introduce Chris Robanski. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Good, Mercedes. How are you doing? <laughs> thank you for dropping in today. Yeah, thank you for that fantastic uh, bio. I couldn't have done it better myself. <laughs> You've done a lot <laughs> in your career. You have done a lot. And it's cool to see that you were at the Beijing Olympics and helped Canada get, Canada get those three medals. I was really proud. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty wild experience for, for all of us, actually, right? I mean, it, uh, it's a pretty surreal moment to be part of that. And be part of that team atmosphere when it's just firing all cylinders and the teamwork is right there and everyone's so supportive so it was really cool i'm glad so you're just freshly kind of home from beijing and now you're dropping in and i start with 10 rapid fire questions that you have not seen are you ready okay let's do it okay number one because this is the on the road series what's one thing that you traveled with that was a must-have for your sport must have for our sport. Mm -hmm. Well, I would always say myself and all the other athletes, you always need to carry your own screwdriver and binding parts because you can break bindings every day and it's annoying when you don't have the right buckle and you're trying to mix and match stuff. So for sure, for our sport, you need to have like the proper parts to fix, to fix your, your equipment on the road. For sure. Awesome. Um, number two, who is the most high profile contact in your phone right now? Most 
high profile contact in my yeah that's a great question um <laughs> it may not be like high profile to you but other people it could be maybe yeah i mean i don't even know there's a lot of contacts i don't i don't even know where they came from i think maybe linkedin or something like put them in or uh well i mean of course there's you there's a bunch of other uh <laughs> my retired, yeah retired or semi-retired athletes <clears throat> from all levels yeah. of sport uh but i couldn't really find or i couldn't really think of just one um that's fine that's a great question there's... i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna go look in your phone later and be like, "Oh, I should have said that." That's okay. I, I, uh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. What is the top song or playlist that you have on right now? You know what? I'm terrible with making playlists. Mm -hmm. um, my former roommate, who's also an Olympian, Darren Gardner, on our Alpine snowboard team. I somehow still have some of his Spotify playlists linked to my account. Yes. And he's usually he's usually pretty good. Like he's always making playlists and stuff. So I usually I just that. log into Spotify and then just see whatever playlist he's got going and then just kind of poach it from like wherever I am in the world. <laughs> I need to learn how to do that. I'm I have Spotify and I don't poach anyone's. So, well, I poach like random people I don't know songs. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, he, he's he's got a good taste for music. So I usually uh just find one he's got a good one called driving that i like you know because we're usually driving so <laughs> totally nice <laughs> nice number four if you could go back to an olympics would you choose winter or summer that's tough because i've never i've never been to a summer games everything i've heard it's like a winter's winter olympics but on steroids because there's just yeah. so many more sports there's so many more athletes the villages are bigger the venues are bigger um so i actually uh kelty hansen my partner we were actually yeah. like years ago planning to go to tokyo 2020 um, yes. we we really wanted to go and we wanted to experience the summer games and we thought tokyo was going to be like the right timing for our lives as well as like such a cool experience and then obviously with everything that's happened in the last two years with the pandemic and some life decisions and stuff, it was just like, you know what, it's just not the right time to go to the summer games. So, I mean, I've kind of been now to, I guess, a four winter Olympics in some way or form, <clears throat> and they are all very similar in some, some aspects. So I think going to the summer would be, uh, summer games would yeah. be really cool and something I need to check off the list eventually. Me too. Me too. Awesome. Uh, number five, if you were invisible, what is the first thing that you would do? If I was invisible? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. If I was Challenging invisible, questions here. Yeah. What would I do? I, well, because I, you know, now that I'm living in Vancouver and uh, we were in Squamish before. So I think if I was invisible and my car was also invisible, I would skip a lot of traffic, especially if I was heading up to Whistler, I would just like ride that shoulder and just skip all of the traffic on the way up to the village. <laughs> that is a good answer. Honestly, every time I ask that, my first thing is like rob a bank. I don't want to rob a bank. <laughs> it's just the first thing that comes to my mind. But but is it, it's kind of a, 
it's kind of a catch 22 because if you're invisible you're basically going to be doing something that's breaking the law in some exactly. in some form <laughs> so Absolutely. it's like you got to be careful how you answer that question exactly nice okay uh number six big city or small town small town 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah yeah but you're in a big city right now while kelty is doing school yes masters taking one for the team yeah, but it's uh, it'll be good in the long term, right? So, oh my gosh, I'd love to have a physio in my house full time. I know, right? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number seven. We're almost there. There's only ten. Number seven. What is the biggest risk that you have taken? Oh, there's been a lot. <laughs> yeah, as you know. I mean, anytime you get on a snowboard cross track, I feel like you're taking a risk. Yeah, it's uh, it's more of like a it's a controlled risk, right? Even though there is mm -hmm. a lot of variables with other people and challenging conditions sometimes and challenging courses, um, mm -hmm. it's all usually within everyone's for the most part, and it's not dangerous. You get really used to riding close to people, and yeah. especially when you're at the World Cup and you're at the higher end of the riders. Um, there's a good race flow. You know how everyone operates, how they ride. Um, usually, they're they're not out there to to literally take you out on purpose and create injury. So, because <clears throat> you're kind I of mean, all friends too. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? You're going weekend to weekend, traveling with the same athletes from other countries at different venues, and you have to still get along with each other. But I think the biggest, if I were to think of the biggest risk I've ever taken was it was in 2011 um at the x games it was the last year they built like the really big courses right and i actually ne i actually didn't get a start um until the day before uh qualification because they had at that time they were only inviting i think 26 athletes for men and mm -hmm. they had two days of training and i think something around 14 or 16 people injured and couldn't compete because the course was so dangerous. And did you happen to just be there? So I went down to uh, Steam Springs to do a, like a North America. North. I had nothing mm -hmm. to do. And I went down there being like, you know what, maybe if for whatever reason, there's an extra spot, at least I'm in Colorado and I'm closer. And sure enough, um, there was unfortunately enough mm -hmm. injuries. I ended up sliding in for a spot. So I was with the BC team at the time and we woke up at, I think it was like three or four in the morning from Steamboat and drove straight to Aspen. And luckily this was at the time when like GoBridge was just starting to come out. And I remember a rider posted his head, head cam footage on YouTube of the course. And I, that's how I memorized the course overnight. And <laughs> I, I showed up at like, I showed up at like five or six, seven in the morning, something like that, and had this course memorized and got on the chairlift with our team and our head coach at the time. And I was like, all right, who's who's riding fast? Cause I only get I only get two chances to clean this course from top to bottom before I have to do uh, a qualification run. And he goes, Yeah, you should follow Kevin, Kevin Hill. And so sure enough, I get in the gate and then I just follow him down. And I mean, the course was 
huge. Like, yeah. I mean, there was uh, a, a triple I remember that was like probably close to 90 feet and it was totally blind, like step down midway through the course. There was just big jumps. And I think the last jump from the takeoff to the landing was like just over a hundred feet. Um, oh so sorry so, for our listeners, you, you do snowboard cross, which is a race with at the Olympics, four guys at the X games. Was it six guys that went down at the same time? Yeah. And the Olympics was, um, for 24 and 2018. Oh, okay. Um, but now to re and, uh, prevent injuries, it's back down to four and the X games was always six. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was definitely the biggest risk I took. Um, it was a big burly course and I kind of just was like, our, it was my first time competing at a major event, let's say like bigger than uh, a world cup in my mind. And yeah. I just dropped in, hoped for the best, uh, stuck on the tail of, of my teammate, Kevin made it down two times in a row and then went up, did my qualification and, and somehow qualified eighth. So I didn't have to go do a second run. I only had to do one run time trial. Love it. I love so, it. Yeah, it was a big risk and uh yeah, inevitably broke my back the next day. But it was uh in scary, the race with other rewarding. people. Yeah, yeah, in the race with other people. Um but I mean at the end of the day that's part of our sport, right? You got to take those risks yeah. and take the chance to uh, really kind of show show yourself. Yeah, exactly. So lucky to walk away from it, but. <laughs> for sure. Oh my gosh. That is a big risk for sure. Like, and, and I think a lot of our listeners might not know that you do have to memorize the course before you go down it. Like that's a big yeah. part of it, right? Yeah. A lot of visualization. Um, basically it's uh, you're memorizing the course down to, fractions right so i mean you kind of know where every little bump every little roll is exactly where there's grip in some of the turns like where it's icy where there's a bit better grooming yeah you really kind of dial it in and 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 uh, have it fully memorized and dialed in because you can basically do it with your eyes closed right so amazing oh my gosh so cool um number eight <laughs> after after you've you've just been retired in like not that long so this is going to be an interesting question for you after retirement. And now that you've gone to an Olympics, um, not as an athlete, has your view on the Olympics changed at all? I wouldn't say my view on the Olympics has changed. Um, you know, for sure. I'm on the safer side of the fence now, um, which is, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which for my body is like there it's pumped. Um, yeah. However, you know, like um, someone told me years and years ago that there's two types of athletes that go to the Olympics. There's those who go for the experience and there's those who go to compete. Yeah. And that's really resonated with me, especially through my two games that I competed in, as well as, um, you know, the energy that I brought to our team this year was, you know, we're going there to um, Yeah. We have, we have a super strong team. We have really good riders, really good preparation all year, considering what's called, you know, we felt as if everyone was ready to perform and, and sure enough, mm -hmm. you know, like we went there to compete. So it's uh, so true. I'd never heard that one before, <laughs> but yeah, like you do, you look at some people and you're like, oh, they're just there for that experience. Cause they're not really holding up for their countries. 
to each their own. <laughs> yeah, to each their own, right? And the Olympics for everyone is is different. And some periods yeah. is the most important aspect, and that's totally fine. However, uh, yeah. just in my, you know, for me personally, it was more about the competition. Um, and to showcase our I mean our, I don't think team. you go twice I don't think you go twice if you're just there for the experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe some do. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't. But <laughs> Okay, number number 8 because we're talking about on the road, what is yeah. the best way to travel? The best way to travel. Mm. Uh, well, it hasn't been invented yet, but it probably time travel, you know, just yes. like, or like teleportation. That would be great. Um, would there's be a so lot great. of, <laughs> a lot of time and energy, right? Like, especially like this year we went, um, we flew to Europe. We did a training camp member. Then we went to China for our test event. Then we went back to Europe for more events, home for a few days at Christmas. And then we went Europe. And then to uh, Eastern Russia, so only one hour time zone change from Beijing, back to Europe, and then back to China, and then home. And it was like a lot of airplane okay. time, yeah. a lot of bouncing around. Um, <clears throat> so for sure, like if you can travel like first class on on those flights or business class, it makes it so much easier. It's so much easier on your body. Um, yeah. mentally and physically, it's just, it's, it's the way to go. However, we don't have that budget. So we travel at the back <laughs> of the bus, like the rest of yeah. everyone else. And, um, it's, uh, for sure. Like you just get used to it. Right. But I yeah. think, <clears throat> I think the best way to travel though, is just eating, eating good food, drinking lots of water. It's going to help your body mm -hmm. and just really kind of, if you can get up every morning and, you know, stretch before your flights and kind of roll out and it really helps with like those long travel days good tips good tips i mean a lot of the world hasn't traveled in like two years so we're probably <clears> they're <throat> all gonna forget what it's like <laughs> and then well, you're gonna get was, to the airplane airport and be like oh the lines <laughs> that was literally like me like because uh i basically years ago and then mm -hmm. for two and a half years and then i literally traveled at all yeah and only in then, your scooter which i think everyone should look at your instagram because those scooter pictures are on point oh the um yeah yeah when i <laughs> that was when i was doing my knee rehab and then i rented a uh the mobility scooter so i could get around town in squamish i so was smart. like going, going like grocery shopping and then ripping around town i was pretty bored so i was like there's might as well take some photos with this thing so good <laughs> So good. I love it. Okay. Number 10, the last question in the rapid fire. That's never rapid, but everyone knows that. Um, what are the top three places that you have traveled to? Top three places. Um, mm -hmm. As for countries, it's probably number one, Austria. Um, we've been there so many many times it's probably our most travel base i think for me it feels a lot like my european home uh yes. you know i'm just really used to the people the culture understanding germans getting a little bit better over the years um <laughs> but yeah like places like the allberg one of the big um, ski areas in um in austria 
or you know you have places like like Meyerhofen and Hintertux that are awesome. Uh, actually, tomorrow we're flying back over to Europe, and we're going to be over near uh, Reiterelm and Schlestad, which is kind of where a bunch of the ski races always happen every year. Um, wow. um, so yeah, yeah, it's just really cool area, Austria. Uh, second place. Uh, I've only been to Japan a couple times, but I love Japan. Um, yeah, would always want to go back. Um, would like to go do like a powder trip there to spend just like a whole month and just ride pow every day. That would be I fantastic. Um, <laughs> so, so that's going on number two because it's like this. You know, okay. When I was there, the conditions <laughs> weren't so good. But um, number three, um, maybe New Zealand. Um, we spent like a full in New Zealand about 11 years ago and then I haven't actually had the chance and it reminded me a lot of like the west coast here in Canada a lot of yeah. big mountains right down to the ocean really nice people Great. good food good culture and like you know riding when we were there was really good as well like good snow conditions um yeah. so yeah definitely would like to go back and it was one of my favorite places that I have visited so nice that is the rapid fire we did there it we go we did it never rapid it's <laughs> awesome um for the listeners uh today we were recording on March 3rd because Chris said that he was leaving tomorrow but this isn't coming out on March 4th so it is what it is um Chris <laughs> because this is on the road I want to hear some stories um of the snowboard cross team so for the listeners that you might think that we all traveled together and we used to back in the day um and go to world championships together and world cups together uh but as things changed throughout the years um half pipe team went on half pipe trips snowboard cross team went on snowboard trip uh, snowboard cross trips and uh we hardly get to see each other except at the olympics <laughs> that's what it seems yeah like, like there's, there's only a few events um the olympics the world champs and basically x games when we were in it it's been a few years um yeah where the events right got to see and mingle with the others uh some of our world cup at least when I was competing four years ago, some of our World Cups were still with Alpine Snowboard. Um, okay. So there would be the occasional, maybe once, maybe twice a year. Yeah. But we're more so now closer with the Ski Cross team, right? Like our next events in right. March, uh, Ski Cross will be there as well. So that's been really cool for us. Uh, we have a good relationship with their team, their program, and they're awesome. So we've had like some good times with, with the ski cross program the last couple of years but yeah and you guys travel um, with the women and the men for um snowboard cross which some yeah. sports they don't some sports are separate so you guys are like a family when you're traveling right well how about a family but we're <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're all colleagues out there right i mean we're, we're yeah. one we're one program and um you know we're uh, I think we're what eleven or twelve people total with uh, six eights depending on the on the on the day. So, um, you know, yeah, we try to keep it light and easy for everyone, and hopefully, everyone's still getting along here in March because uh, they've been on the road. <laughs> <'Cause> it's, a <laughs> lot, it's a lot yeah. of time together. 
It is like I, I left November 2nd and then we, we had one week off for 10 days off at Christmas. We all got to separate and then yeah. we just got home last week. Uh, so we've had basically like almost the better part of four months together, right? So you're ready to say goodbye, but you're going back on the road. <laughs> yeah. Well, not ready to say goodbye, but for sure, like for everyone's mental health, it's good to have a bit of separation, right? And, yeah. you know, have everyone go home and see their friends and family and just enjoy a bit of a break, um, a well-deserved break. But at the same time, you know, yeah, tomorrow we get back to business. So now um, you joined the team in 2010 or 2011 technically going into 2011 season so i think it was like september 2010 or maybe september 2011 um so you missed the whole filming of the reality tv show that we did <laughs> Where well i was actually uh, yeah i i did miss it um in but i was in whistler doing some training camps in the spring and you guys were filming and I remember watching it and yeah. Oh, did you watch it? I never watched it. (laughs) Oh yeah. I watched a little bit of it and it was like, wow. Okay. Well, the (laughs) snowboard cross team, the funny thing is the snowboard cross team was going to be in it. And then the coaches were like, hard no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So um, let's hear. sounds a lot like our previous coach. (laughs) Let's hear about some of those times on the road. Um, Any crazy stories that happened? No, there's been lots of crazy stories, Mercedes. So some of them are PG, some of them are not PG. Let's go with PG if you want to share any. PG stories. <clears throat> there was this one time, I think it was January 2012. We just been home for Christmas and then we got back to Europe and we were going to Leo Gang, Austria, um, to do a little small kind of riding block before the first world cup of the year in switzerland and it's always a fun place in leo gang because hans york he's the owner of the hotel he used to compete in snowboard cross and so he's got he's got this really beautiful hotel it's called the kirkin and it's got one of highest rated wine cellar or best wine cellar something like this anyways beautiful place beautiful beautiful hotel and we show up and hans york's got his accordion going and he's dancing he's also a musician so he's getting us all fired up and next thing we know we look outside and it's starting to snow and we're like oh that's great like there's going to be some fresh snow for tomorrow and we wake up the next morning and uh central austria like where we were staying received the most amount of snow they've ever received in a hundred years something like that and it just snowed and snowed and snowed and literally it was like i think it snowed straight totally locked in they couldn't open any of the roads in or out out of the valley okay and we were lucky because in that same town one of my best friends used to be one of the best uh, freestyle riders uh, in, the, in the world, Stefan Gimpel. Mm-hmm. And he was literally our local guide for the four or five there. And the, Wait, the, the mountain opened. opened. Well, the mountain opened, but nobody could get in or out. So there was like <gasps> maybe 20 yes! people. 
<laughs> maybe 20 people and you're riding like chest to shoulder deep powder for like five oh days in a row. God. It was like, do you it was bring, like do you bring your powder board with you or are you on like your race board doing this? Oh yeah. No, we all travel with like a free ride board. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case yeah. this happens. And, you know, you never know. Like, I mean, those race boards, like they're, they're very expensive. There's a lot of time and work that uh, Blake, our head serviceman puts into them to make them as yeah. fast as possible. So we don't, we don't really get to touch them unless we're going on a race course. Right. So. Oh, um, I Okay. Cause I, I never see you guys. So that's super interesting. You guys, do you just care? You do have those carrying cases and you'll carry them down to the top of the race course, but you'll be on your free ride board. Uh, most of the athletes now. So like they'll have, let's say they'll travel with six or seven boards. Um, let's yeah. say it's six boards. Basically five of them are like full race prepped. And then one is what we call like a taxi or like so they can ride that board around. It's the slowest of their quiver. And that board is basically to get them from A to B and to ride around and do inspection and stuff like that. Got um, it, got it. But but then we always travel with that free ride board because you never know when you're going to get snowed into a valley and have waist to shoulder deep pow for a week. So <laughs> was it so was that like the best riding that you've had of your life probably? Yeah, we're like going heli skiing, um, but you're at a resort and you're just riding untracked every day. And then you have the local Valley pro who it's his home mountain showing you literally all of the best spots to go. So, I mean, it was like completely surreal. Um, so still, I think it was still like the best powder I've had ever. I mean, it's, I always think back to that. It was 10 years ago now, but. It was, uh, uh, it was so good. Such a good story. Yeah. Um, and where, thank you so much for sharing your stories and doing the <laughs> rapid fire. Thank you for dropping in. I know it's kind of a lot sometimes. Um, no, where can people find you on, where can people find you online? If uh, they want to on... see that scooter shot. Oh yeah. So on the line, uh, scooter shots, you're going to have to go back a little, uh, a little bit ways there. They're on my Instagram. Uh, it's at Chris Rabansky. I'm on Facebook at Chris Urbanski. I'm on LinkedIn, Chris Urbanski. You can also find me at chrisurbanski.ca. And awesome. I think that's about it. But yeah. You're everywhere. You're not hard to find online. That's awesome. Chris, thank you so <laughs> much for dropping in. Yeah. Thanks, Mercedes. It was great to see you. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll play some golf this summer. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yes, please. Awesome. So much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. I'm Jeff Wood.
Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.